Hey there, and welcome to our podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Now, before we begin, we want to remind you to please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at our church. Thanks again for joining us, and now, enjoy the episode. Find all that your soul needs. Amen. And so that really segues us into this morning's message. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, and in verse 28. And uh, we'll be referencing um, this same account in Mark and Luke. Uh, Mark is probably the longest account of this event. And uh, so... Uh, we're going to look um, at all three, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. That's who records this event. But a wonderful passage. Excited to dive into this with you. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 28. Uh, if you're there, say amen. amen. All right. Now God's Word says this. And when he was come to the other side into the country of the uh, Gergesenes, there met him two possessed with devils, coming out of the tombs, exceeding fierce, so that no man might pass by the way. And behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? And there was a good way off from them, a herd of swine, many swine feeding, so the devils besought him, or begged him, as we'll see in the other accounts, saying, if, if thou cast us out, suffer us to go away into the herd of swine. And he said unto them, Go. And when they were uh, come out, they went into the herd of swine, and behold, the whole herd of swine ran violently down a steep place into the sea and perished in the waters. And they that kept them fled. So those that were tending this um, herd of swine, pigs, uh, they, kept, they fled and went their ways into the city and told everything what was befallen to the possessed of the devils. And here's a fascinating verse. It probably will leave us very perplexed, but I think we'll, give, we'll understand why, but it's very perplexing. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they besought him that he would depart out of their coast. It's a perplexing thing to see such a great miracle of Christ and then push him away. Father God, we thank you, Lord, today for your word. What truth is here before us. Father, I'm thankful that Jesus brings freedom. He brings deliverance. And to all who will come to Him, to all that will look to Him. And so, Father, I ask for Your guidance today. I surrender all that I am to You. And, uh, Father, help us, uh, Lord, to uh, follow Christ in His ministry here, to uh, root deeper into Him. Um, Father, I pray that we leave here with a better understanding of who Jesus is. Oh, that's really the whole point of looking at his ministry is 
Really understanding who he is, who you are, who God is through the manifestation of Jesus. So I pray today that you have your way with all of us, beginning with me, and hide me away that only each one today hears your voice and not mine. They don't see me up here, but they, they witness you from your word. And I pray all this in Christ's name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Jesus brings freedom. I want to back up a little bit and remind you of what Jesus went through to get here. We looked at the real, I think we probably call it a famous passage, a well-known passage of Jesus calming the waters. Peace be still. We love that declaration Jesus made then. And he makes even on those that turn to him today. Just let there be peace in your life. And Jesus brings that. But I want you to know that Jesus braved a terrifying storm. He went through uh, uh, stormy conditions there. Uh, he's traveling with men who had a weak faith in the boat. Uh, sailing with Jesus, and he made his way to this, this shore, all right, which is um, um, along the coastline of the Sea of Galilee. And he comes here. I just don't, I want you to remember some things, really, three particular things that we learned about Jesus through the storm. I uh, remember I made, I made a mention about why was Jesus so comfortable uh, on, this, on this voyage. And one was this, that Jesus was confident in his connection to the Father. He told in his ministry, I and my Father are one. So he was fine being in the boat and a storm coming, coming about. He was, he was confident in his connection with the Father. Okay? We also learned that Jesus never doubted who he was as sovereign creator and Lord. Nothing and no one could destroy him or deter him from his mission. And he was confident in his own self. All right? It was never a doubt in Jesus' mind who he was. I'm thankful that that's my Savior. It's a Savior without any doubt in his mind or heart. He's confidently Jesus Christ as he proclaimed himself to be. And then lastly, we learn that Jesus never doubted his preeminent omnipotence. And those words simply mean this. He never doubted that his power reigned above all powers. He slept on the boat. He was, he was comfortable there. He knew he had all the power he needed over all things, to continue on in the ministry. That's the Jesus that arrived here, at this place, at, to a man that was as about as desperate as a man could get. That's the Jesus that showed up. So keep that in your mind as we look at this. Number one, what I want you to see is this, is that Jesus arrives with purpose. He arrives with purpose here at this shore. Um, I don't believe that Jesus got on the shore and was surprised by this man, these men that were possessed by demons. I don't think that surprised Jesus. I think Jesus knew where he was sailing and to whom he was going to. Amen? And keep that on your mind. We'll, we'll look at the text and then and make some application here. So Jesus arrived with purpose. Jesus will always arrive. Listen. Jesus will always arrive where he is needed. He'll always arrive where he's needed. He came to earth, didn't he? The world needs him. Every one of us today needs him. So he always arrives where he's needed. And Jesus, now, now the world will shape and mold a different Jesus. They want to make that Jesus match the culture. 
Jesus is not sailing and living and having a ministry based on culture. Jesus sailed here because of a man's condition. He doesn't shapeshift to the culture. He stays Jesus, the Son of the living God. He stays who He is because who He is is who the world needs. Amen? It's who the Jesus that you need. And this man, the condition of this man, Jesus was directed by that. He comes to those who need Him. Let me tell you something about the condition of this man. I want you to really see this man's desperation. This man was possessed, as you'll learn. Um, actually, if you want to turn over to Mark's account, it is the longest account of this story. Um, you'll find that Jesus strikes conversation. Now, Matthew says there's two men. Mark, or, uh, Mark and Luke really gives focus on one. Um, but um, we find probably a lot of the conversation was with one, probably not both. But either way... We find here that there is a conversation between Christ and these demons. And so you find this man was possessed by the demonic. And as you'll look here, it, let me find my place here in Mark chapter, Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. And let's look at verse, um, verse number 9. It says, And when he asked him, What is thy name? So he's having a conversation with um, these, these demons. And he answered him, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. So these men, both of these men you'll find, were possessed by a large number of demons. That just sort of goes beyond my logic or, or understanding of that, how that's possible. But these men were completely possessed, uh, controlled by this legion, many, um, uh, this, this legion of demons. And actually, you know, you'll find, I think it was in the time of Augustus, a legion would be made of about 6,000 men. So as a reference point, just think about that number. These men were possessed. By these men. This is the condition of these men. He was living in isolation. You can go and you can read. You'll find that these legion of demons drove this man to the graveyard where death, despair, hopelessness, all those things are. That's what the demons like to do. That's what the devil loves to do. Take a man, a person, to a place of hopelessness and death. Takes this man there, which begins to, you know, develop in this man's mind. There's no way out. Death is all I'll ever know. Hopelessness is all I'll ever know. That's where this man was. He was isolated. He was isolated by these demons. You'll find as you go and you look back at Mark, right? Go back to, go back to Mark and, and see this here. Um, you look at verse 3. Who had his dwelling among the tombs, okay? Dead men and, and women, the tombs, Okay? And no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken pieces. Neither could any man tame him. The condition of this man is this. He was beyond any human help. There wasn't a human that could make the change that he needed made in his life. Humanity failed him. All power, all tactics could not help him. He'd even reached a point, as the Bible, you go in and read, you'll find that he was oftentimes screaming and yelling in the tombs, cutting himself. 
Now, some would say he's cutting himself because maybe this man in his own mind, which maybe the only way out of this demonic, de- demonic possession is just to end my life. Or another p- perspective is, is that the demons was trying to kill him. And maybe both are correct. But I'll, I'll tell you this, the only objective of, of the demonic and the devil himself is to destroy humanity. That's their job. That's what they're doing. That's their task from their master, which is the devil. And that's what they were doing with this, this, these, both of these men. Now, if you look here, notice something. I, I love getting into this part. Jesus and his inner circle of men have now brought the ship to shore. And no sooner than the feet of Jesus touches the sand, touches the earth again. Here come these men. And you'll find that you'll, you'll find that it says that when, when, when he saw him, he came and worshipped him. He came and worshipped him. Now, maybe a couple things happening here. I think one thing this man saw him probably in his own mind, like if it's, it's Jesus or nothing, nobody else can help me. I think another perspective is this, is that the demons knew who the king was. Their master may be the devil, and they get their marching orders from the devil, but they know who the sovereign king is, and they knew Jesus was there for a purpose. And so they, go, they take the bodies of these men, and they, they go to where Jesus is. I believe that. They quivered. They knew who Jesus was. When humanity made doubt and cast doubt on the name and the person of Jesus Christ, the demonic know good and well who Jesus is. So you find here they, 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 they control the vessels, these two men, and the men run to Jesus. Now, let me tell you something. Jesus came as a friend and a savior to these, to these men. But he came as a sovereign king and warrior to the demonic. He comes to humanity as a friend, as a savior, as a, as, as a helper, as a peacemaker, as a forgiver, but, but to the demonic and to, the, and to Satan, he's always the king, he's always the warrior, he's always the victor. That's who he was to these men and to the demonic here. I want you to know who Jesus is. He came with a purpose. Now, as you think about this story, think about some practical truths here. I want you to grasp this. Jesus, as he knew the need of these men, he knows your need. He knows your greatest need. He knows all of your needs. I'm thankful, uh, you know, over uh, 23 years ago, when God began to deal with my heart, he came to me, right, through his spirit, from his word, and he began to deal with me. Why, why, why would he come to me? Why would he come to you? Why would he come to any of the human race? Because you have a need, and your need is salvation. Your need is to be born again, as we learn in the Gospels. You must be born again. God knows that, and so he comes to you. He draws you from his, with, with his spirit. You're here today, here in the word of God. Why? Because you need Jesus. You that are saved today need Jesus. You need to follow him as Lord of your life. You need him. Every, we, we sing from time to time after our Bible study, before our altar prayer, I need thee, Lord, I need thee. Every hour I what? I need thee. 
You're in need of Jesus primarily because of your condition of separation by Him, from Him, by sin. The Bible tells us today that sin separates. It's always done that. still does that today. Every one of us have been separated from God by sin. And the only one who can bridge that gap back to the Father is the Son. You need Jesus, first and foremost, as a Savior. And you need Him as Lord. You need Him as provider, as, as a believer. Really, your condition before believing on Jesus is not much different than this man. Right? The Bible tells us, too, that if you're not a child of God, you're a child of who? The devil. Well, he told the religious crowd, yeah, your father, the devil. Right? And so, dear friend, you need Jesus just like these men needed Jesus. We're in unbelief. We're separated. We're in isolation. We're, we're, as the Bible describes us, we're dead in their sins. This man was around the tombs. That's where the demonic took him. You can see the spiritual picture that outside of Jesus, we're, we're, we're separated. Like a dead man is separated. And God has come through Jesus Christ to give us life and give the abundant life through Jesus Christ. Your sins have isolated you away from God. And there's nothing. Now mark this. There is nothing. Humanity can do for you outside of telling you the good news of the gospel to make the change your soul needs. They can create religion. They can create shrines. They can create idols. They can do a lot of things. But all of those things, just like all these things failed to bind this man and control him, all the creation of this, all this world creates around religion to help you, will fail you. But there's one who will never fail you. His name is Jesus. Jesus did not bring religion. He, 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 he did not bring anything but himself. You need all of Jesus. Either you believe 100% in Jesus or you don't. Either I rest my faith on all that Jesus is or I don't. The difference that was made in my life 23 years ago, the reason I can say that I'm born again is I finally rested my complete faith in all of the person of Jesus. These men needed to put their faith in all who Jesus said he was. And listen to me. If you continue to fail to turn to Jesus, you will find yourself slipping into a hopeless state of mind. This man had no hope, at least he thought. He didn't know Jesus was sailing to him. This man never even sent out a telegram or a, or, or, or a letter or an Instagram message or, or, or whatever. He didn't send anything, Jesus, I need you to come to me. No, Jesus came on his own. That's what Jesus does. He came to you and you were not looking for him. Oh, you may have went to church, but you really weren't looking for him. I'm thankful Jesus knows our condition before we do. And he comes to us. Jesus arrives on, the shore, on, on these shores. He arrived here as the hope for this man. Can I tell you something? Jesus arrived on earth over 2,000 years ago to be your hope, to be the life giver to your soul, to give you peace and joy, and promise you a home in heaven only through Him. I want you to understand some scriptures here. I have these for you just for the sake of time. Ephesians 2 and verse 2, notice this. 
Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according, notice this, according to the prince of the power of the air. Who is that? That's the devil, the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Hey, dear Christian, the only reason you can say that I used to follow him is because you put your faith in Jesus. All glory and credit goes to him. I used to be under the rule of Satan, but now I'm under the rule of King Jesus. He freed me. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 and 4. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Listen to me. You may think the demonic was just for people to deal with then. Hey, the devil and his demons are just as busy now as they've ever been. Amen? I thought just demons were on cartoons, illustrations. No, they're, they're around. They're working. Dear Christian, they can't possess you because Jesus does, but they can for sure oppress you. You meet them every day. They work on you. They work on me. You need Jesus. Cling to him. Because you're going to find a wonderful thing about Jesus in just a moment. Let me give you two other verses and we'll move on. 2 Corinthians 2.11 Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So he's telling the church at Corinth, listen, Satan can oppress. He can't have you, but he can oppress you. I'm telling you something, every Christian, every pastor, every preacher, every evangelist, uh, uh, every uh, building missionary, every deacon, every church member, listen to me. The devil would love for you to start sharing untruthful things about Jesus. He would love for you to start sowing seeds of doubt about your faith. uh, Letting the world see a discouragement on your face about Jesus. A lot of things he would love for you to start telling. He is after the Christians as much as he's after unbelievers. Don't be arrogant and think, well, I'm saved. He's going to leave me alone. No, he's really going to, he's after you now. Because your message is what he opposes. I think people underestimate the devil's tactics and the devil's agenda. He told Peter, 1 Peter 5, 8, last verse, and I'll move on. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil. Can we say that together? Because your adversary, Okay, it's yours. It's mine. He's our adversary. As a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour, that means to destroy you. He wants nothing less. His aim is nothing less than destruction. I want you to see why you need Jesus. I want you to follow Jesus here and see your need of him. Now, secondly, Jesus only arrives with purpose, but he arrives with power. I love this. Jesus is not just an intellectual, right? He, is the, he has the power of God. He is God. Notice, as you'll find here, wherever Jesus goes, the power of God goes with him. Aren't you thankful for that? You think back at this man's condition. Who You here today think you're strong on your own. Remember this man's condition. He was hopeless. Nothing could help him. The demonic was at work. This man was even taking, going to take his own life. He could not escape it. Can I tell you something? It doesn't take a rocket scientist to look at this world and see the work of the demonic. 
Brother Randy and Sister Debbie did a lot of traveling. I'm sure they saw a lot of things that were not godly. Things who were not, God would not have God's approval. Who's leading those kind of things? It's the devil and his army. The demonic are in, are in activity. You see this, this progressive movement toward trying to determine what, what life is and what marriage is. And, and you find the, you know, this, this huge movement of the uh, LGBTQ and the transgender movement. Dear friend, I'm telling you, when you have a group of people that are following such a thing and they say on the news and recording on video, you can go look it up, we're coming after your children. It's nothing more than the power of the demonic on people's lives. Christ came to free those in bondage. Folks, you know, the demons, I don't know if you know much about the demonic or not, but they're fallen angels is who they are. There was a rebellion in heaven. Satan rebelled. And he brought the third of the angels with him. That's who these demons are. Angels have always been messengers to humanity. And angels and demons are still messengers, but the angels serve God. The demons serve the devil. They're both bringing messages. So we're told in Scripture, try to see which spirit is this. Is it a spirit of God or is it a spirit of the devil? Both of those are speaking to everyone every day. We need to listen to the Lord. All they want to do, listen, listen. Thought you, you think about their role and their function. There's a, they're, 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 they're the they're the spirit of, of murder and suicide, lust, depression, fear, lying. All these things they're at work to bring these things into your life. That's what they want, but those things aren't of God. They're not of God. But that's what the demons are wanting. To do. They have a different master. They will tempt, they'll deceive, they'll delude people. They want to bring humanity to eternal damnation. That's the work they're doing. They want to oppose God. Anything that has to do with God, every time you wake up and a thought comes to your mind, I'm too tired to come to church, someone's working on your mind. It's not God. It's not a message from God. Well, I'll just keep my kids away from church. We'll go do something, you know, different. Or we'll do this with our family or this with our finances. That all goes away from God. That's not God. It's not the messengers of God. It's the messengers of the devil. They work on the minds of Christians. They can't have you, but they can sure try to go after your mind. But look at what Jesus does. I'm so thankful that I belong to Jesus today. You go back and look Look at Luke. Look at Luke for just a minute. I'm trying to hurry. But look at Luke chapter 8 and verse 31. <laughs> the devil's powerful. His demons are powerful. This is true. The Bible tells us that. But I love their posture before Christ. We've already read in Matthew chapter 8 that they come, you know, they besought him. You look at Luke chapter 8 and verse 31. And they besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. In other words, what that word deep can be translated, the abyss. 
Do you know the devil and his demons know where they're going to end up ultimately? They run to Jesus through, the, through the, these vessels of men. And they knew Jesus. All they, had, all, they had, all they could do was beg, don't cast us in the abyss yet. Because God's going to do it one of these days, amen? He's going to lock them away to never run about again. But then they said, Jesus, don't, if, you, if you do cast us out, we'd rather go this way. We don't want to go to the abyss yet. Why have you come to torment us before the time? That's what they were talking about. They know there's an appointed time that they're going to face eternal destruction. They know that. And so you find this, I just, I just get excited, church, I do, is that, is that Jesus, through, through the person of his spirit, dwells with me. And it's, it, is, it is God who these demons have to bow to. Do not think for a minute, dear Christian, that when the devil comes after you and, and tempts you and tries to sway your thinking, your perspective, that you owe him any yielding at all. The one who walks with you and talks with you and leads you, they bow down to him. You need to live like that. You're walking with the king. The demons know that. The last person they want to know that is you to know that. They always want to think that they have an upper hand on you. But if you have Jesus, you're always on top. But you've got to lean fully into Jesus and trust him. Matthew 25, 41, then, then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye curse, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Revelation 12, 9, the great dragon was cast out, the old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceived the whole world. He was cast into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. I'm thankful I'm on the side of Jesus today. Mm. They had to beg Christ. Christ, you see these swine over here. If you do cast us out, let us go there. Cast us in the swine, not the abyss, the swine. So what does Jesus do? You all tell me. Did he let them go to the swine or not? I can't hear you. All right, I'm coming to my last point, so make sure you're awake for this final stretch, all right? Where do they end up? They go to the swine? Yes, these thousands of demons went, went, went to the swine, okay? And so um, the power of God, we see, is over the power of, of the demonic. And, and so you look back at our text in verse 33 and verse 34, and I will have you turn back to Mark, but look at our text in Matthew chapter 8. And they that, that kept them fled. So those that, you know, these pigs belong to somebody. Okay? They belong to somebody. The demons went and possessed the... the, the uh, all, all these swine, and they went down a steep bank into a, a river, and they all drowned. So now these guys, they go, those that had these pigs, they go and they share the news of what happened. Okay? Now turn to Mark, because Mark gives a little more detail that I want to share with you. Look at this. I want to make a solid point here at the end, and we'll close. Look at verse 14, chapter 5. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what, was, what, um, what it was that was done. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil that had, a, uh, had the legion. And notice this, sitting what? 
He was naked. Now he's clothed. And is what kind of mind? It was a possessed mind. Now it's a right mind. And they were afraid. They see and have witnessed the power of God. Dear, Christ, dear individual, you need the power of God today. This is what God can do for the soul. Only Him. Now notice this real quick. And they saw it, told him how it befell him, that he was possessed of the devil, and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. Now this part, this part of the, of the country, they, they believe part of this, this area on the, on the bank of Galilee, the, um, the, the, um, most, most of the population was Jewish, but in this area most believed it was, it was pagans. Because you, really you really wouldn't find a Jew having a pig farm. Okay, it just, it didn't happen. They were unclean. So this is more of a pagan area. Now I want to draw your attention to something. There's about roughly 2,000 pigs destroyed. And somebody say, why would God allow the way these individuals made their living and fed their family and all this, why would he allow those pigs to be destroyed? But God was loving. You know, it brings me to a couple verses. Psalm 50, verses 10 and 11. For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the fowls of the mountain and the wild beast of the field are mine. Matthew 12, 12, how much then is a man better than a sheep? You know, when you become a child of God, you know what? You used to say this as an unbeliever, all this is mine. When you become a child of God, now you begin to say all this is his. Right? The far greater thing that happened was not the destruction of 2,000 pigs. The destruction of 2,000 pigs fails in comparison from the miracle that Jesus did pulling these men out of a destiny toward hell. If our perspective is right, we would say let 4,000, let 5,000 pigs die. Let, let, me, let me go into poverty to see the work of Christ on someone's life and someone come to faith. Lord, here's my home, here's my wealth, here's my clothing, so that your gospel can go forth and see souls saved. That should be the perspective. You know what? something that I see here, and I'll end with this? They went and they told the people of this town, look at what Jesus did to this man. He delivered these men from the demonic. But they also told something else. But he killed our swine in doing it. That was the last thing they said to the people about what Jesus did. It wasn't until they incapped what they told these people. It wasn't until then that the crowd had their remark. They told Jesus to leave. What the, choice, the choice that they had here was this. It was between Jesus or pigs. And that was the choice. The crowd chose the pigs over Jesus. You may say today, I can't believe that. I mean, just how low of a person. I mean, the power of God was right before him. The message of truth we heard. I can't believe all of this culminating together that they would side with the pigs. Before we start pointing fingers at these folks, we may want to be, take a little closer look to our own selves. 
sometimes you may not find yourself much different than those that sided with the pigs. Has there ever been a time you sold out your worship for something else? Has there ever been a time you put other things before a time of prayer and talking with God? Has there ever been a time that you pushed your Bible aside because you were just too busy to sit down and hear from God? What's, what, what, what have you sold out your giving and living a sacrifice for Christ? There may be some here today that are choosing pigs over Jesus. And I'm talking to Christians. Talking to those that say I'm a child of God. Maybe there are some things in your life that you're putting before God and saying, God, I'll, I'll push you to the side because I'm about this right now. You know, that's no different than these people siding with the pigs. Jesus has done so much for you. First, He's your Savior if you're born again. Amen. The only reason you have the family you do, the home you have, the food in your bed, the clothes in your bag, is because of Him. How dare we ever side with anything less than God? You know what Joshua said? Joshua said it very boldly and very clearly, and I'll end with this. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Let me put that in country language. Make up your mind. Make up your mind. You say, that's harsh. We live in a time where we need to speak clearly. Amen? Make up your mind. What step do you have in front of you today to be obedient to God? Why are you lingering? You know the next step. If God's dealing with you about salvation, trust Him now. Don't wait for the invitation. Don't wait for Mr. Armour Day to come. Don't wait for another word out of my voice. Hit your knees and surrender to Jesus. If your next step is scriptural baptism, why are you waiting? You know what the Bible says about that. To be obedient, that's your next step. To read your Bible, pray. To be part of a local church, that's what the Bible tells us to do. And if you love Jesus, why are you, why are you siding with the pigs? Then over Jesus. You know, Jesus is coming soon. He could come before the next word comes out of my mouth. And I say all of what I said just a moment ago is because I love you. Really more so than that, Jesus loves you. And he wants you to be ready. As we have a song of invitation. Jesus says, when I come, will I find faith on the earth? How will he find you? At the pig farm or close to him? You got to choose. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment. Sorry, when you get settled, just play softly and uh, then we'll sing.